Welcome to episode 30, and as you probably say when you're not Irish, 30, um, of the yeah. two in the Authors podcast. Try it, in, try it in a Dublin accent there, 30. 30. 30. Oh, that, very offensive very of me. What a way to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Rob. Well, do you know what, Rob? Because it's episode 30, mm-hmm. uh, as you say in Dublin, we have doing a special episode this week aren't we it's not going to be the regular features that we have in fact what rob and i have decided to do is to take a deep dive into our favorite feature of the two in the authors podcast which is the seven questions Mm. now why are we doing that rob um a couple of reasons full disclosure i think we said on last week's episode you and i are going on holiday so we've actually recording this yeah not together sadly not together no Um, next year yeah with our with our families um <laughs> i believe when people are listening to us david you'll be uh out and about in paris am i right yes i'll be up the eiffel tower or in disneyland with a screaming seven-year-old and you are heading off to spain i am i will be splashing around in a pool in menorca so nice that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode because we wanted to have an episode to go out because uh, we love doing this podcast. We don't want to have a gap mm-hmm. in the in the episodes. But the other one was, I think, from what we started out wanting to achieve with the seven questions, I think it's changed a bit over time. And I think it's become yeah. such a fun part of the podcast. And like you said, it's, it's your favorite part of the show. It's my favorite part of the show. I just thought we've had 29 guests. So we, we, we won't have someone on today and we won't have the usual like mailbag and, and things like that today. But we've had 29 guests if we include ourselves. There's 29 yeah. different authors, 29 different minds, 29 different journeys, 29 different stages of their careers answer these seven questions. And yeah. I just thought, you know what? It'd be a really good idea if we just take a good look at it and just discuss a few pointers around the seven questions and just, you know, deep dive a little bit further, see what our favorite bits are, see about potential uh, guests we'd love to get on. Talk about the answers you and I gave right at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, because episodes one and episodes two, Rob and I took the hot seat. Mm. Uh, for the seven questions. So that was half a year ago now. And mm-hmm. um, through this episode, Rob and I are going to reflect on the answers that we gave to the seven questions. And we're also going to pick out some of our highlights and some highlight, some highlighted answers (laughs) from our guests uh, when it came to the seven questions. So um, it's an, it's a different episode. It's an interesting episode. It's episode number 30 of the two in the authors podcast. Welcome. Two in the David, the first the first bit I want to talk about before we get into some of the incredible answers that our guests have given us and the the mediocre answers you and I gave uh, six months ago, <laughs> um, this was always something when we, you and I were conceiving the idea for the podcast, and we've spoke about this on the show that we we had this idea in place for say a good year before we 
we kicked things off and we were waiting. Yes. You were waiting on me going full time. <laughs> um, but this was always, I think, something you really championed and probably the journalist within you, the the previous journalist. Um, yeah. But you were you were you had a really clear vision of the entire structure of the the podcast, but definitely this bit, definitely the seven questions, because you and I worked extensively on getting them um, perfect. Yes, and and there forth. was a different different version of seven questions at one point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it probably you're right. It probably is the old journalist in me. Uh, when I was in college, I was also the editor of the college magazine. Mm. And I love magazines. Uh, I grew up reading them. And a magazine is something that comes out every uh, uh, on a set time. Every, it could be every week, every Friday or once a month. And it has the same regular features in it. Mm. And I love that because you sort of know what you're getting. And when Rob and I discussed doing a podcast together, very early on in the discussion, magazine features, so regular features, um, which we have, which is the week that was, the mailbag, the seven questions, um, mm-hmm. the main talking point. It has four regular features that, and a format that we follow every week. And our favorite one, as we mentioned, is the seven questions. And I guess what it was, was we didn't want a podcast where we just had a, a speciality guest on every week and we were just talking about a, a specific subject area within in the author community. So we didn't want, say, a romance novelist on and the whole podcast is just going to be, yeah. the whole hour is going to be focusing on romance novels because we thought, well, that's not going to be for everybody. So this is why we came up with a question, because uh, the seven questions, because we did want to feature in the authors. We wanted a new in the author on every week. And we thought, well, if we give them the same seven questions that the listeners can learn from every week, well, then that will be a hit feature. Yeah. And and also the the um, type of podcast you were just talking about, that, that already exists. That's the, the SPF podcast, which is a brilliant listen for indie authors to go yes. and listen to. Um, they got hundreds of episodes they've been going for years. Um, but th- that's where they go. They, they take a specialist guest on and they do a real yeah. in-depth interview. Um, is, is the idea, do you think, the magazine part of it, it almost offers a level of comfort to the listener that they know what they're going to get each week. So once they've listened to a yeah. couple of um, shows of us, you know, discussing what we do. So we don't tell people what they should do. We just talk about what we do and we tackle a subject yeah. and then we have a mailbag <laughs> where we answer and then we do this. Do you think that helps listeners want to go, okay, I'll come back because I, I know what I'm getting each week. Well, going into it, I wasn't sure. All we were sure, Rob, is mm. that we were both a fan of the magazine style. Mm. And that we both like regular features, but what we so just because we liked it, it didn't necessarily mean the masses would like it. But mm-hmm. thankfully, and thanks to you, listeners, um, what we found is we've 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 had such great steady growth of listenership on the podcast, and it's going yeah. up literally every hour. Um, it's on an incline, and we're so very very grateful. We feel like we're producing a good podcast, and um, the feedback has been fantastic. So it seems as if the styling and the format that we conceived as we were, you know, coming up with this for nearly a year, um, it, it's working and people are enjoying it. And they particularly like the seven questions. Yeah, I think, I think they definitely like the seven questions. And I've started seeing people say like, oh, you've got this guest on. 
because they're fans yeah. or they like that person or they know that person, um, yeah. which is which has been great. So with, with that, that's kind of how we built the format. Because I always thought we were building a podcast, which was the podcast I wish was available when I was starting like five years ago. That's yeah. in my head what I wanted this podcast to be. As part of the podcast, do you see the purpose of the seven questions being... I thought at first it would be a good way to just spread the word about indie authors and it would always be really interesting. And I found that that's evolved the more we've right. spoken to people. I think the better we've got, I think we've probably got better at um, asking the questions, guiding the conversation. That just comes with the fact that we do this every week now. Yeah. But I now see, I mean, there's just so much knowledge and such an interesting story every time. Every week, there's always something that, catches me off guard that someone's done that i've never considered i mean last week we had someone who's basically built their business on linkedin yeah you know what i mean yeah so do you, do you feel the purpose of the seven questions has evolved from bringing the indie author community into our indie author podcast to actually like a, a proper font of knowledge it, yes it has i think when we were discussing it last summer rob when we were conceiving the the whole idea the seven questions the fundamental idea was to pass it back yeah. so questions such as how do you market your books we want to know that because our listeners will want to know that mm -hmm. and then we've got a question such as at the end what's the one piece of advice you would pass back to our listeners so it really is all about passing back knowledge what you have learned passing it back and um, so that those coming behind us can sort of get some information and experience from that and carry their indie author career forward. Mm. As it happens, what it's evolved into for me was, I thought, well, I have 11 books out, and I've sold, you know, whatever, 380,000 books now. I'm going to learn from those who have 20 books out and have sold a million books. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case, <laughs> because I find the part the, the interviewee that we get on who has sold one, who has produced one book, and has only sold 700 copies yet, they're still learning, and they're learning stuff that I don't know about yet. Yeah. So I'm learning from every guest, whether they're a million, whether they've sold 2 million copies like Gene Granger, or they've just produced one book, and they're still trying to learn, but they're, they're learning on the fly, and as they're learning, they're passing back the information to us that we're picking up. And I don't, there hasn't been a seven questions guest that I haven't learned from yet. No, absolutely. And I think... Hence why this the, the the section I think deserves a a episode like this where we discuss it because I think it's just become such a you know yeah there there are behind the scenes there's work that goes into us you know producing the seven question side of it pre interview and post interview there's work you and I both have to do but it's completely worth it I'd say yeah it really is absolutely like I tell you go on go I was ahead say, like, we we've had to you know accommodate time zones. Uh, we've had to accommodate mm -hmm. last minute like, but we've had authors who have stepped in last minute because someone's cancelled or or someone yes. hasn't turned up so you know as much as what we put and people have helped us out and again it's a, it shines a wonderful light on the indie author community but all that stuff is so completely worth it and it's why we bang the drum right for to get people to sign up because we don't want the well to go dry because <laughs> there's so much yes. knowledge still to, to 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 gain from people 
Absolutely. We're going to put a call out to you listeners at the end of this episode as well mm-hmm. to, to, to sign up for this feature. Uh, we want as many as possible. We do have a long list uh, of guests who have signed up, potential guests. Uh, we want it longer. Mm-hmm. I think I think we've had nearly every person who's ever lived in Ireland has been on the podcast. Is that right? <laughs> it's getting I think, there. I think... <laughs> That's definitely my fault because when we were populating the two in the authors uh, Facebook group and we were trying to get authors we knew, a lot of the groups I'm in happen to be Irish. Mm. So um, we populated with a lot of Irish, but yet we've had guests on from different corners of the world. We invite you, no matter where you are, to come and sign up for the seven questions. Robert, let's sort of begin. I know we've been talking about how we conceived mm-hmm. or why we conceived this sort of format. But can you go through now, over the next minute, the seven questions? What are the seven questions? Oh, you are putting me on the spot there, shouldn't I? So first, the first question is, are you a full-time author? Which we ask everyone who comes on the show. We just want to know where that person is in their career. Are they doing it for a living or are they still doing, you know, what I was still doing nine months ago, which was working a full-time job and, and doing it in and around it. The second one is the big decision that authors make is, are they wide across all platforms or are they exclusive to Amazon with their eBooks, which means if they're exclusive, they're in Kindle Unlimited, um, which is where you can get the page reads. The third one is, I always think this is the one where it kind of ramps up a bit in the seven questions, which is what's the one piece of um, software that you cannot do without. And I've found, I don't know if you found this, people are playing fast and loose with the concept of one because they always seem to bring about four or five, and then they give us their one. Yes. <laughs> um, Absolutely. So you've got that. Then you've got the the big question, I think, which is how do you market your books? Um, because yeah. I think that's the, the golden nugget. Um, and I think that's the one yeah. that we sit back the most on with our, yes. with our guests. Just let them talk about it. Number five is what is the one thing you wish you knew back when you started that you know now yeah um which i think is is, it's always interesting there's so much um that you you pick up along the way and but there's the mistakes that you need to make to to learn that so um and number six is what's your biggest frustration as an indie author um and then number seven is we ask them what is the one piece of advice they would pass to our listeners and i got seven out of seven you got seven out of seven right there. You know them off by heart now. Congratulations. It's only been <laughs> half a year. Um, yeah, so a range uh, there within the seven questions of different pieces of advice that authors can pass back, yeah. which, as you said, was was the fundamental idea uh, in the first place. So um, I appeared on episode one to answer the seven questions. You appeared on episode seven. Seven? Shall we take our... No, episode um, seven questions. I appeared on one. You appeared on episode two. The feature is called seven questions. <laughs> Jesus, I can't even get that right. And you're, you know say, the seven be, questions out before by heart. We, before we go into the summer stuff we answered, again, just reiterate, yeah. we spent a lot of time going back and forth on defining those questions, didn't we? Took took weeks. We did, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It took quite a while to sort of limit to the seven questions. In fact, at one point, it might have been the nine questions or the eight questions mm. or the five questions. Um, I think it was five at one point. Yeah, it was. Um, but we think it gives a, a good, diverse um, 
understanding of the different hats that we have to wear mm. as an independent author. That was the point, wasn't it? And it's it to hit all well. the touch points that you have to kind yeah. of go through. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, and, and they're also designed in mind to keep the interview 20 to 30 minutes because again, timing of the podcast was something we worked on because when we started, the episodes were running quite long and now I think they're quite yeah. a succinct hour to hour and 10 minutes each week. Yeah, we, we are. We, and an hour is the what Rob and I ideally would love each individual podcast to be. At the start, they were sort of coming in an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes. An hour um, and a half at one so point. We, it was an hour and a half at one point. That was probably when I was the guest of the seven questions of waffling. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, we, we want to make them succinct succinct we want the listener to go oh there's a 59 minute podcast now the two in the orders i'm gonna go for a walk for an hour mm-hmm. um i'm gonna listen to that one an hour and a half tends to be a little bit off-putting so yeah the seven questions specifically the sweet spot is about 25 minutes for each guest two in the So we've already said, David, that we've done the seven questions. We were the guinea pigs. Um, yep. Think back, way back, 30 episodes ago, you were guest one. What were you, your answers you gave then? What, have any of them um, changed, do you think? Any of the questions hit different? I listened to my episode this morning in prep for this, mm. uh, assuming that they would change and there's not much of a change really Mm. to be to be very truthful again it is only really six months although six months can be a long time in this game but um i mean i guess we could probably go through them in in chronological order so question one is are you a full-time author and you and i have the same answer for that in fact Mm -hmm. um when we started i had already been a couple of years as a full-time author and you were just handed in your notice you had just left your job hadn't you the week before we recorded episode one yeah so i was one week in yeah 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 so we were just both full-time authors was was our answer to question number one what we also like to hear from guests then if they're not full-time authors is how they sort of balance their day Mm. job with their their writing aspirations so it's we're not looking for guests who are full-time authors we're looking for authors who are working in any field or are balancing their writing in any specific way. So don't feel, I don't want to go on the two indie authors because the first question I have to say, no, I'm not a full-time author. That's fine. A lot of people don't even want to be full-time authors. Mm-hmm. Um, they would rather balance it with educating people or with their content writing or whatever else they're doing. You and I, Rob, we just happen to be, we're full-time at this because we want to be full-time at this and we worked hard to get to this situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, we've had some guests on there who say, you know, don't want to define themselves as a full-time author. We had Luke Richardson, mm-hmm. who's like, I'm not a full-time anything. And he, and if you follow yes, him on, if you follow him on social media, he's he's off everywhere, isn't he? He's 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 always traveling. He's awesome, Luke. Yeah, he's, he's a such a great guy. Like, but then we had like Claire, who who has been full-time, Claire C. Riley. Um, yeah, and then she's gone back and like started like running her family business or something like that alongside yeah. alongside yeah. doing it. So. Um, I yeah, look back and at Quive, we had on a couple of weeks ago, Quive McDonald. Yeah. And him and his wife now work as a team mm. running his full time author business. So we've had, yeah, we've had an array of, of different answers. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's always, it's an interesting question. Mm. We're not, we're not, we don't ask that to pry. Uh, we're asking that to set up the interview, really, to find out what, what situation this author is in 
uh, with regards to their writing and producing books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my my answer is still obviously I'm still full time, but you know back then I didn't really have a structure in place. I was. Yeah, I was high on the idea of doing it. And I think I wrote like half a book in a week. I don't do that anymore. I'm still very prolific with my writing. Um, I yeah. probably try and do minimum four, like maximum six to seven chapters a week when I've got the idea going. So I try yeah. to like, okay, the book started. I'll try to get that done within like a six to eight week period. Um, but then I have you know bits in place, like a weekly reminders to say like, do my admin, do you know, post something here on social media, that type of stuff. But apart from that, nothing yeah. much else has changed. Um, question two, again, well, I think we're still the same. We're, we're both still exclusive. We're not wide as much as I want to be, David. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we both have talked extensively about our ambition would be to be wide and to mm. to have our uh, eggs in separate baskets rather than in, in just Jeff Bezos's Amazon basket. Um, I mean, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you will know the benefit of being exclusive at Amazon. You're in their KU subscription model, which pays you um, sometimes more handsomely in our experience than you will get on these wider platforms. My ambition is to go wide at some point. Mm. Um, but we, 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 our guests, I think, uh, this isn't exact data, but I would guess about 80% of the guests we've had on oh, are question number two. Do you think it's more? I reckon, we've had, I reckon we've had about two, maybe, maybe three who are, who are wide. Um, three out of the, of, the, of the 29 guests. Yeah. Ma- yes, maybe there is only three that have been wide. Yeah, so it's it's probably up near 90% or so. Um, see, this is where I think, yeah, and that, 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 that's just... Everyone always goes, oh, I'm exclusive. Because everyone knows like, oh, it'd be better to be wide. But there's no shame in being exclusive to Amazon. Let's put that out there. There's loads of groups that are out there to help authors that will just constantly slate Amazon as if it's the devil. And, you know, in, in some practices, they are. But for what they offer in the authors, they're not. And, um, uh, yeah, if you do want to do this as a full-time thing like we do, even if you're not exclusive, you'd be a fool to ignore Amazon, right? Because <laughs> like, I think most wide authors, yeah. the majority of the stuff they get is probably from Amazon still. So as much as you might see people slate Amazon and might, people make the joke of, oh, I don't want to be part of the Amazon machine, I'd love to be wide because I would just like to be on across all the platforms. But yeah. at the same time, I also know where my bread's buttered. It's very, you know, I haven't I haven't become a full-time author because I'm a wide author. I've become a full-time author Robert. because I'm Amazon exclusive. I've come across authors who refuse to put their books on Amazon. Genetically, if that's where they, they, they're at, fair, fair play to them. But I'm just saying, don't don't be fooled by the people who say Amazon's the devil because they're not to indie authors. They actually give us a pretty good platform yeah. to make and a it, living. It's, it's not even just authors. Anyone with an independent business, if you are a knitter and you knit jumpers, you now have this Amazon platform where you can mm-hmm. sell those jumpers. So it, it does, people say that it, it's it's killing small business. It actually can highly benefit small businesses, Amazon. Wherever you stand on that moral argument, we understand and we get it. Um, as we said, Rob and I would ideally like to have our eBooks wider. We probably will in the future. I think it's certainly something on my to-do list. It is really only eBooks, our paperbacks, um, can be sourced yeah. wide. Yeah. Uh, we both are with Ingram Spark. Mm-hmm. Is that 
correct? We've got to upload our books Ingram Spark, and therefore stores, books, uh, bricks and mortar stores can buy the books in from Ingram Spark at a wholesale price, and then sell our books for us. And we both utilize that. Yeah, we we definitely do. So I think I just think that's a good point to make because I, I, you get a lot of negativity about being exclusive. So I think we it's always worth and uh you know banging the drum a little bit um yeah just looking at the rest of the question david i think there's some we probably don't need to answer like how we market our books because we did a three-part special on marketing books a few weeks ago yes um, that's true and, and the the things we you know passing on pieces of advice and and stuff like that we we hopefully we do that on a weekly basis there's two yeah. questions i think i'd like to revisit um before we before we move on so one would be yeah. those your answer to name the one service you can't do without has that changed um no i i mean i could name 20 services yeah. that i really need on an ongoing basis but my answer originally in episode one was ali which is the mm -hmm. independent um, alliance of alliance of, sorry the alliance of independent authors mm -hmm. and it's a union like group that you can join it's i think it's about 80 pounds a year mm -hmm. and that 80 pounds a year for me as i explained when i was answering this question is such a no-brainer because it brings me so much comfort mm -hmm. uh, a lot of legal advice uh advice of any sort really anybody at ali and the, the community at ali will help you out with so it's um it's almost like joining a union it gives you that sense of security so it i for me you know weighing up the speculation for the accumulation that 80 pounds is just the easiest 80 pounds to spend per year and mm -hmm. um, so i'm i'm a proud proud member of the alliance of independent authors what was your answer to what's the one service you cannot do without rob and has it changed since no it hasn't changed um it's close to changing um but then he pulled through so mine was my accountant because I'm a, yes, that's I'm, a right. I'm a tech techie guy. I did all the data and stuff like that. I don't do finance stuff. I say I don't mm -hmm. do finance stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I I I manage my money well, um, especially my my business money. Like I make sure things are paid off, things are separate, all this stuff. But you know, when it comes to like VAT, when it comes to doing my taxes at the end of the year, all that stuff, I just yeah, there's a reason you have accountants because they know what they're doing. So. My accountant yeah. has been fantastic, and now he's actually now I've gone full time. I'm now set up as a limited company, um, so I'm now operating slightly differently. Um, but yeah, I couldn't do without my accountant. I don't think it just if this hair would be so much grayer if I had to now as a, it being my full time job. If I had to do all my tax, my VAT stuff, I'd be very grey. Um, so yeah, I'd, oh, I'd say to have grey hair for you <laughs> with your grey hair. Um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting question. The best service or name the one service you cannot mm. do without. We did fear Rob and I, and I think we've said this a couple of times in the podcast that everybody's going to say Vellum um, because Vellum is this formatting tool which makes a really really difficult job very very easy. And I think four people have answered Vellum out of the the. 29 guests or so yeah. we've had we've also had a couple of people um name scrivener as one of the mm -hmm. uh, services they cannot do without scrivener is a writing platform uh, and then we've had some interesting answers i think claire c riley said pick monkey which is yeah. something i'd never heard of canva we, get a, canva we get a lot of um 
Rosalind Tate said Mailer Light. She cannot do without uh-huh. Mailer Light. And, and that's another big one for me. I'd be lost without that. My newsletter uh-huh. is so, um, it, it's vital to me, really. It's a vital tool. And it's just proved vital to me over the past uh, week as I released a book. Yeah. Uh, Reese Dillon, when we had on, he said, this was a really interesting answer to the one service you cannot do without. Remember he mentioned the, the Facebook ad library. I use that all the time. Yeah, and that is you can go in and see what other publishers are doing. You can see what type of advertising they're using. And it's 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 a great sort of tool. It's free to use. Just go on it, um, Facebook ad library, type in, you know, a publishing company name and just see what they're advertising like yeah. on Facebook, what they're or, doing. Or, or authors, you can see what I'm advertising, see what David's advertising, see what any of the yeah. guests, any of the people who come on, any of the people on Seven Questions, they talk about they're doing Facebook yeah. ads. If you want to see what they're doing, find them on the Facebook ad library. I will say, I think you framed the, you you worded it slightly wrong when you said you feared everyone would say vellum. I was hoping everyone would say yeah. vellum so we could get that sweet, sweet vellum money. Um, but sponsors, <laughs> ship is something maybe we'll come down down the road um the other question i did want to see if your answer had changed because mine had um it was what's your biggest frustration as an indie author because you're six months further down the line now more books out has your frustration changed i I don't know whether it's still my biggest i do recall that my answer to that was not being able to own as much data as as we we possibly should be allowed Mm -hmm. to own like we don't know who's buying our books until or unless we catch them in our net. And by our net, I mean our front, front or back matter where we manage to get their email address. If we don't capture that email address or they don't decide to follow us on Facebook or our social media, we have no way of knowing who bought our books. Yeah. And um, somebody asked me a question yesterday on our Facebook group about, oh, I see that. You know, you're reaching out to your Facebook following and you're asking them to reread a book because there's a sequel coming out. Um, That's so genius. And I thought, well, it's not really genius because even though I've got a healthy following on Facebook, it really is only a small portion of those who buy my books. Yeah. Most of the people who buy my books, I don't have any of the data on them at all. Mm -hmm. And that was my biggest frustration when I answered the question six months ago. It probably remains, if not my biggest frustration, certainly one of the big frustrations for all of us independent authors is that Jeff Bezos owns all the data. Um, Bezos. We don't own all the data. And Bezos. And the data is obviously king. Um, I think I'll stick with that answer, Rob. Yeah. Um, not owning the data and, and trying to find cold readers all the time is a big frustration. What, what, what did you answer originally when you when you were in the hot seat? So mine was some things being out of my control. So we've 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 spoke about how we're control freaks, you and I. <laughs> and that's why we like being yeah. independent authors. We're in control of every aspect of it. But then when things happen, like uh, my Amazon ad account being, you know, my Amazon account just being locked down. Remember, I had that mad panic. That's right. Yeah. Um, so when things go out of your control, that that type of stuff now, uh, I'm a bit more attuned to it doesn't happen as often as you know you might think so i think my biggest frustration now is is the act of scaling i think i'm at a point now oh, where yeah when i went I'd full time i was eight books in i've got book 12 coming uh, in a few months time so I, i've added like another 50 percent on top of my outlet of, of my output my catalog and so i'm at this point now where i want to scale and i'm gradually scaling facebook successfully Amazon, I'm still beating my head against the wall a bit. So I think that's probably my biggest frustration is, I mean, I want to spend more money to grow it. And it's, I'd like that to be easier to do. But yeah, beyond that, um, I'd say 
yeah, there are frustrations, but there's there's nothing that really you know makes me hate what I do. I'm I, th- I think we got it quite easy as independent authors, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would add Amazon ads and being able to scale Amazon ads as a huge frustration for me. I, I, I think they work for me, Amazon ads, but they work on such a small scale. Like mm-hmm. they will spend ten pound a day, and I will make twenty pound a day in sales, but I cannot get them to spend a hundred pound a day, so I can make two hundred pound a day exactly on an Amazon ad. And yeah, yeah, scaling those. And I have hired two different companies now. I said actually over the podcast over the past few weeks that I will let you know how I'm getting on with the company that I hired to run my Amazon ad. I've already split with them. Oh, really? Is that uh, perpetual? Yeah, it just wasn't perpetual. And it was, that's the second company now I've hired to run my Amazon ads. And they just weren't scaling them. They uh, they weren't doing much better than I was doing. So um, yeah, it, it is one, it's Amazon ads and scaling Amazon ads is something that those who are selling millions of books, the, 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 you know the the torchlighters of the Amazon, uh, the in the author community, the Mark Dawson's, L.J. Ross, and and Gene Granger, who's been a guest on the show, they are all over mm-hmm. Amazon. You can see their books are on Amazon. Every Amazon page you go to on Kindle, you'll you'll see one of these big players advertising. I haven't been able to um, get that much exposure, and it's it's frustrating for me. To in the author. So, Rob, I mean, we've said this uh, a couple of times already. It, we're, we're 30 episodes deep now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just sort of discussed how we answered an awful lot of the seven questions. But from the other 29 guests, is there anything that sticks out specifically for you that um, is so memorable, such a memorable answer to any of those questions? Uh, yeah, I think we've got loads. <laughs> we've got loads of examples <laughs> we can draw from. Um, That's true. I, the, f- the first one that always jumps to my mind is um, when we had Claire Claire C. Riley on, and she spoke about Goodreads. Um, so much so as we, we've I've reached out to Claire, and she's wonderfully provided a Goodreads checklist um, for our listeners, which can be found in our Facebook group um, in the pin yeah. posts at the top. But but just the the fact that. Yeah, you know, most people tell you to stay away from Goodreads, and they see, you know, it's a and it's, it's it's not, you know, you get a lot of negativity on there, and the you know the advertising platform on there is rubbish. But the fact is that she built a following, and not just a following, she then built a readership and a business predominantly using Goodreads, which is a free tool, and just being yeah. able to navigate it and interact the way she does on it, um, and the strategy she uses, which are all unpinned under. Um, highlighted in in the checklist i just I, it blew my mind i think if you could see the video of us talking to her you could see like my jaw dropping at just the stuff she was saying <laughs> um so so that was that was one of them um and another one yeah, good eye had, opener. yeah it was a real eye opener and another one was our episode eight when we had lee beddo who's my uh, audiobook narrator on we also had carrie yep. mcgillan uh, she joined us for the That's seven right. questions. That's right, she did the seven cues, yeah. Um, f- fabulous author, a wonderful woman. And she, again, we always talk about you have to you know, invest in yourself, invest in the business. I think she invested, I'd say, thousands of pounds in getting known TV actresses to do her audio yes. books for her. And then it obviously That's paid right. it back to her you know, lucratively. But for someone, you know, I yeah. think to myself, oh, you know, I've just spent a thousand pounds on a book bub deal that's me patting myself on the back saying well done you've invested in yourself she you know yeah didn't have, i don't think she had tons of books either i think it's just she had a great 
psychological thriller and she got a really well-known TV actress to do the audiobook and bet on herself yeah. that way. I found that inspiring. Yeah, and she also said that she knows that our actress comes with a fan base. Yeah, I mean, that's... It, it's, Already, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's great incredible. thinking, really um, outside-the-box thinking, yeah. Again, the things we don't think about, and it's the things we learn from from other indie authors on the seven questions. And then I probably say the, the, the other one, because obviously we can't go through every single person, is uh, we had Reese Dillon uh yes answer seven questions and it blew my mind again is that um he released his first book at the beginning of 2022 yeah. do you know what i mean and we're, we're, yeah. we're not even halfway through got... 2023 he's got eight books out some of them have got six thousand most of them have got over three thousand reviews so the, the guy's deal. killing it um and it's fantastic because you know you always get people say oh it's it's a clothes shop now you can't be an indie author now the golden age being an indie author is over it's not just people have to pivot. People that. have to it really learn again. annoys me. Yeah, and it's such a crutch that is for 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 failing. Just going, oh no, the golden period is over. No, but you go back to you what just haven't done enough yet. You go back to what your wonderful wife was saying on the show last week. People always find like an excuse, and there's always a reason for you not to do it. Yeah, but I think Reese yeah. was such a great shining example of, you know what? If you get everything lined up, if you put your head down, if you put the work in. He's done eight yeah. books. He's probably, you know, he, he, I think he said he was doing rapid release and stuff. But I, I just found that phenomenal. The work rate and and the work ethic was inspiring. Um, yeah, so very they inspirational. Were, they were the, the ones that kind of jumped out at me, David. What about yourself? Do you have any any ones that stick in your mind? Yeah, I mean, they're all quite memorable. Um, I, I loved having Jean Granger on the show. Yeah. Um, do you remember she was talking about, you know, what – you? I think we when we were asking her about what we wish we knew from the outset, which is mm. one of the seven cues, and she was talking about, I wish I didn't bother me arse with bricks and mortar stores. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting to me because that seems to be almost like the dream scenario when, when you romanticize about being an author. You think, oh, well, people are going to walk into WH Smith's and my book is going to be there. Well, the reality of that is not romantic at all because mm. you're getting very, 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 very little royalty out of a book that's sold in one of these big chains and um and she was able to sort of dismiss that romantic notion of being in book bricks and mortar stores and and, and not worth it why would you want to sell you know 12 books in eight different wh smith stores over a weekend when you can sell 1200 on amazon in a weekend exactly now, i'm probably exaggerating there but that is the real that can be a reality of that you can mm-hmm. sell 10 times more books online than you can through these stores and earn 10 times more money so i really liked having Jean on she was very straight mm-hmm. talking love that um we had i remember when people were talking about frustrations the biggest frustrations have been in the order uh, I think what, what Sally Rigby and Adrian Cousins and maybe another another one or two authors talked about the stigma of yeah, that's self-publishing popular, and that's, that's still a around. Yeah, we, it's, it's, it's a, yeah. a common one. <laughs> yeah, it is. And and I think part of the indie author or the two indie authors podcast and the indie author community at large is, is to try and rub away at that stigma mm-hmm. and, and get it away. In fact, we should even say we haven't said this in the show the reason we call it the two indie authors and not the two self-published guys is we are trying to step away from the stigma of that word self-publishing and we prefer the term independently publishing Mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that 
we if somebody was making their own music and didn't want to sign to a major record deal, we don't call them self musicians. We call them indie musicians. So uh, same here when when it comes to that. So independently publishing doesn't mean because we got refused from every traditional <laughs> publishing company. We actually had acceptances from publishing companies. We have chosen to be independently published, away. and we. We stepped away. We want to rub away at that stigma. Well, and we'll that, put this it, way. It, it is a topic that comes up. I, I've said something the other day. I actually own, I'm actually director and CEO of a, um, and founder of a, of a publishing company. I just publish one <laughs> yeah. author's books. That's how yes, I tell exactly. people now. I run a publishing business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the way it is. And, and one of those who was running the best publishing businesses that we spoke to on the show over the past 30 weeks is Cueve McDonald. Oh, great. He was and fast, things, fascinating. Yeah, great guest. If you haven't listened to that episode, do listen to Cueve. He, he's running a great business. And I think one of the things that really opened my eyes that he talked about was super fans mm. and how you sort of utilize people who have already bought your books and who you've cut in your newsletter net. Really sort of um, do your best to ensure that they're buying every book mm. they possibly can. In fact, he's even signing or he's even selling signed books to these guys. So he's utilizing his super fans to give them as much product as he possibly can. And that was quite eye opening for me. And it's, it's, it's a uh, Queeves path is one I want to follow. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was first. Listen, every guest comes on, doesn't matter what, what um, part of the journey they're on. There's always something fascinating to hear from them. Um, yeah. And it's, um, it's why we want people to sign up for it, right? Because every conversation is fascinating. And, you know, the podcast isn't us telling people what to do. It's just us talking about how we've approached the subjects. And it's the same with the seven questions. It's these, every indie author comes on. It's just, it's their path and the way they've attacked these areas like frustration or or things that they've had to learn or their marketing. And that's why we want as many authors as possible to come on the show, hybrid, independent, one book, 20 books, wide, exclusive, doesn't matter. You, you know, if it's something out of your comfort zone, I would, I would push you to be brave and come and share the stuff because, like I said, we just pay it back. And I think every single independent author will have something fascinating to say on every single question. So there's a form at the top of our Facebook group. What's the Facebook group, uh, book group called, David? It's two indie authors podcast. Two indie authors podcast. Type that into your uh, search bar on your Facebook. You will find Rob and I there at the very top of that group. There is a pinned post posted by Robert, which says seven questions. Sign up. Yeah, get your name on it. Yeah, please do because we we don't we don't want the well to run dry. We said, but we've got a nice list of of um, guests who will be joining us over the coming weeks. We would like to turn that list into the coming months, the coming years, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, sign yes. up, uh, be brave, sign up. You you definitely have something to share and there are definitely people who want to hear it. Um, before we, before we sign off, David, um, is there anyone you would love to get on for the seven questions? Anyone's brain you would love to pick with those seven questions. Do you think that we haven't had on yet? And um, there's a few, there's, there's a lot of authors that have inspired us to be mm-hmm. independent authors, um, some at the, the very top of the game. There's a couple I would really like to get on. I'm a big fan of Adam Croft. I've learned yep. a lot from yep, Adam same. Croft. Um, really interesting guy. He used to have a podcast that I listened to uh, every day through lockdown. Can you still get that? Um, which helped, podcast? helped inspire us. No, he's not doing that anymore. No, but are the episodes still available? 
do you think? Which we oh, check? I don't know. I have I I haven't checked. I must check into that. Actually, it was called the um, the indie author mindset, wasn't it? Yes, yes. It's worth a listen. Fact, if it you can still Adam, get it. Yeah, it was Adam who actually made me realize that we should rub away at the term self-publishing mm-hmm. and more into independently uh, publishing. And yeah, he's really interesting. He's made a real success of his fantastic book. So he's one, he's definitely one to follow. I would love to pick his brains. I'd like to uh, get him on as a main talking point. And then as a seven questions guest, David Gochran mm-hmm. is another one I would love to get on. Uh, he would be fascinating. He is the equivalent talked about super fans, but, David uh, really lives that. That that's the whole process of of his marketing. He loves the super fans. He's and, very generous. Um, with I'd his love knowledge. to get him on to talk about it. Yeah, he passes a lot on. Like mm. us, he passes a lot on for free. Just to pass it back. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's a gentleman. What about you, Rob? Anyone you'd love to get on in the yeah. hot seat? I'd love to get uh, L. J. Ross on. Um, at some she's point. great. She's, she's great. She's an absolute phenomenon. Um, I've actually met. She's her. the queen. She's the queen of indie publishing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But. But she's the most humble person you'll ever meet. Um, when I was struggling with a publisher, um, I actually met her for a coffee in London. I took a chance when she she posted something up saying, oh, my train's been delayed at King's Cross for two hours. What should I do? And I was like, I was working in Great Portland Street, two stops down. I was like, Let me, can I buy you a coffee? Um, and she let me and I and she actually inspired me to go and go um, self-published. So getting her You're on. You're such a smoothie. She, she's unbelievable. But getting her on to, to find yeah. out her frustrations and her stuff like you said when she's i mean she nearly like approaching she's got to be approaching 10 million sales soon so she's mad wow. uh, mad success on that um there's other authors like mark dawson and mel sherrett people who yes. you know again just dominate loads of sales i'd also really love to get joanna penn on it, me too i love joanna but i love joanna she's just this like a force of positivity in the indie author community mm. and i think she Although she's so well known for all of the, you know, her own podcast, which is fantastic, and all the the guidance she gives authors, she's also got loads of successful book series. Like she's a really successful author as well, and you might tend to forget that because she's so prominent with the advice. The same as people like David Gochran and Mark Dawson, they've actually got loads of really successful books. So I'd love to pick her brains. Yeah. I think I'd love to pick her brains about it. Yeah, that would be great. So they're on our wish list. Um, and we will get to them in time. But um, Robert, that, that's, it's been a short and sweet show today. It's been a special deep dive into mm. the seven questions. I hope you have a great holiday. Oh, well, I hope you've been having a great holiday, David, because this is sort of a time traveling <laughs> episode. It's actually out while we're here, <laughs> yes. Um, but no, I think yeah, it's been really, really interesting. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you.